So uh, when I was 13, my twin brother and I, we went to the movies and we saw a movie that um, eventually we realized kind of changed our lives and for ways that we wouldn't necessarily expect. And this movie had everything. It had you know, comedy, it had action, it had uh, romance. And at the end of the movie, of course, the, the guy got the girl. Um, <clears throat> this movie, um, it was 2004. I don't know if you uh, are aware of those movies. Hopefully you guys were born around then. Uh, but it was none other than Dirty Dancing. And that's probably not a movie that you would think like two 13-year-old kids would go and see and enjoy, especially with its whopping 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but it did like reveal this vision of um, masculinity that we, especially growing up in the 90s, it wasn't really very common. You had uh, Javier, <clears throat> you guys seen Narcos, he's the Mexican drug lord there, but very different character. Um, <laughs> In this movie, but put the visual to who he was. He, he wasn't, you know, strong. He wasn't necessarily <clears throat> really had very little money. Didn't have power like how he would typically define it. Um, but what he did have is he had this like really true and authentic sense of self, and he also had this purpose that was greater than him. So it's like other plot line. And then with Katie, the main protagonist, she um, they, he treated her with kindness, and you know, of course with. Dirty dancing, they the expect the, the theme. He like taught her how to dance in a way that uh, made her really feel like she came alive and become a person that she didn't really know that she wanted to be in, in all the good ways. <clears throat> At the same time, why Dirty Dancing on the Nights was better than the other ones uh, is they actually had this other like plot where Javier was actually he led like his brothers and his friends, and he was this leader in this broader revolution movement that would then go and overturn the government for what at least they thought would be the, uh, the betterment of their people. And so, long story short, this movie deserves way better than 24% of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but I bring it up because um, growing up in the 90s, again, like this was different than your typical view. Like we had High School Blues, we had Ben Wilder, we had Animal House, we had these other ones where uh, it was you know, the glorifying sports, kind of downplaying the arts, it was drinking, it was you know conquest with women, these crazy exploits, and it was the time where, maybe some of you remember it, like guys would just like call each other gay just because that was the fun thing to do, and then if you said anything like dumb or stupid, you would just like punch each other in the arm and just deserve it and just wrote it off. Um, <coughs> and so, well, today has changed a, a bit. Uh, it, it's gotten a little bit um, you know, more correct in, in certain ways. It really hasn't changed like, that much in that we've you know, labeled that form of masculinity today. Uh, and I'll, I'll read you from the extremely credible uh, Urban Dictionary <laughs> for uh, toxic masculinity. And so that is, it describes the narrow repressive ideas about the male gender role uh, that defines masculinity as exaggerated masculine traits, like being violent, unemotional, sexually aggressive, and so forth. And it also suggests that men who act too emotional or maybe aren't violent enough or don't do all of the things that real men do may get their quote, man card taken away. <clears throat> and so um, I bring that up not because 
we can all agree we're like Catholic men and women here on 9 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> that's not what any of us are, are striving to be. But I bring that to contrast like what we should be striving for, which is that authentic masculinity. And so um, I'm going to break that down just a little bit today. And the, the first piece is that authentic piece. And so to be authentic, I'm going to the real dictionary. And that is um, the definition is to represent one's true nature or beliefs, true to oneself or to the person identified. And so in our secular society, we understand, like, be your true self. Um, we tend to understand that to be uh, something very different than what we as, as Catholics may believe. <clears throat> the society, they think it's like, oh, if it's your true self, it's something that is your nature. It's something that comes easy to you. It is something that comes you know, out of yourself. But as Catholics, we need to understand that differently. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We also know that we are made in the likeness of God. <clears throat> so in order to understand what it means to be authentic, that means to be true, and Jesus is truth, the only way that we can actually be our authentic selves is if we align ourselves to Christ. And that's not an easy thing to do, and it doesn't come from ourselves. And this, whenever <clears throat> anyone says, be like God, I got great life, but it's just frankly impossible, and we just all know we definitely can't strive for it. But what I'm hoping today is uh, <clears throat> there's ways that we can do that in the small ways to try to resemble him um, and to try to align to him um, so that we can bring like our authentic selves out. And thankfully, the church has given us some tools that can help us with that. And I'd like to kind of refer to some of the seven virtues instead of necessarily going through them. Um, I'd like to talk about like one of my experiences with uh, something I know that I think it did a really great job, um, still does, of <clears throat> like conveying those seven virtues. I could have picked five different people, one of them sitting here today, but I didn't want to put anyone on the spot, so I chose someone who, you know, I just say you shouldn't talk about him behind his back, but I are all good things, so I think that's all right. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have ever been over to the, the men's house, but we had a roommate, his name was Curtis. Uh, he was um, a Protestant, and he came to the house, he met us um, through a Facebook group, he like, saw our post, he was like, he came and lived here. And <clears throat> after getting to know us uh, for a little bit, he came to, to say, he's like, you know what, like, it's interesting, we, you guys are the first happy Catholics I've ever met. And he grew up in Kentucky, like Bible Belt, like there was plenty of Catholics around him, but he's like, you're the only Catholic, or not the only at the time, he then met more and met some of you. Um, but he was like, you're the first happy Catholics. And so he was always intrigued by the faith, but he didn't really have an incentive to pursue it because it's like, why would I want to be like someone who's not happy? Um, so the first thing is like, share your happiness, be like, share that smiling face, and like, yeah, if you are Catholic, share that, like, that's something, like, share that light with the world that God gave you, <clears throat> but kind of going to the, the virtues, and that he was charitable in the way, like, just small ways that, like, really stood out, and that small things, like, he would clean up after people without, like, ever being asked, um, and it wasn't in a way where it's, like, cleaning up begrudgingly, like, you better clean this up next time, uh, he... He would just do it because like, he was on this path himself um, of like pursuing God, and he knew that that's what uh, God would do, and he also had the respect for us, and he just did it out of like servitude, but he never 
really like, said that, but she just knew that that was there and it made you want to like do the same. Um, <clears throat> he was super kind, still was kind. Uh, he, he gave everyone like the benefit of the doubt. So he was, he was um, curious and not judgmental, especially coming from a background where he had learned different things about like our faith through different people. Um, but instead of like judging it, he would say like something more along the lines of, see, I don't get that, but tell me more. Cause that, that's like, I want to understand it. And so learning how you can um, give people the benefit of the doubt uh, without, you know, in the, the very small ways. He's uh, <clears throat> also humble. You know, I'd say he, he, he was the first one to say he's no better than any other human, except for maybe Dominic Petrello, but the joke around that is that he was his best man at the wedding, so obviously there was something there. Um, but it, he, he, was, he was very good, like, he was an actor, he was good at that, he did a lot of good things, but he, he didn't necessarily, like, he was proud of himself, but he just thought of himself less, right? He thought about other people. Um, and then temperance, once he kind of got part of the house, uh, he would, be very self, um, he would serve himself and see like, where is he kind of doing too much? And so whether that be his diet, uh, you know, there's a point where he, you know, he was eating bad and he said, you know what, I actually need to move the pendulum in this other direction. And it's the re reason why in the house, like everyone did whole 30. Like I would have never done, at least I did most of it, they're like whole 29. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then even when it came to like his relationships, he came to the house with a relationship, he discerned that wasn't right relatively quickly, um, and then was he dated, he was like, oh, you know, this isn't necessarily, like, I don't like where my brain space is at, so we actually went on dating fast, so like, hey, this isn't the time for me right now, and then when he came out of the dating fast, um, he was patient, and that he, uh, <clears throat> he would talk, but he wouldn't over-invest, but then he ended up talking with um, a woman that he had been friends with for like five or six years, and um, they took, they were always friends, there was never any like rush, but then when they ended up actually dating, um, they were a long distance relationship. Uh, they would see each other maybe once or twice a month, but they were patient for like where their relationship was at, and they were also very intentional saying, hey, we, we should be taking these steps and we don't necessarily need to really um, rush it. And I feel like that can also be a pressure, it was like 20s and 30s in Atlanta, especially if you've never left the South especially, you feel this pressure to like jump into something. Like when you're, if you're not married by 21, it's like, that's nah, not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's if you travel any place in the country or any place in the world, that is false. So be patient. Um, but they did that in a really, uh, you know, good way. And then once he ended up actually dating, they were very intentional about like being chased. And so like when she would come over and visit, they would, like, if she was at the house, the door was always open, not because we, like, enforced them. He's like, no, I just wanted to show like, a good example. If she would sleep in a different room, if not in a different room, she'd be in a different Airbnb. Um, and so, and the, he would, it was all about, like, the why. It wasn't like, I don't want to do this because, like, church and all this, which is yes, but it's like, I want to do this because I respect you. I want to do this because I want this to be, like, setting up like, how we, um, We'll set up the rest of our lives, and that like our, our relationship is not just us; it's about God, and this is the setup of Him. And then finally, when when he decided that he wanted to then marry her, you know, his diligence and prudence really came out. I mean, he was an actor in Atlanta um, in theater, <clears throat> which one year was COVID. Um, so like 
he made money, he did the second job, but it wasn't extravagant. But when he wanted, we decided, hey, I want to get married, he did a couple things. He got a couple more jobs. Like, he was working, I think, four jobs at one point so he could afford the ring. Um, he also, like, acting was his passion, um, but he also then felt the calling, like, no, his, his calling was more so to be a husband. I'm not saying that's always the case. Um, nor that you should like, change your passion, but he saw he's like he actually then ended up enlisting in the Air Force to say like, hey, I actually want to like change my life so I could be a provider and do this and this can all the, the acting can always be a passion, but I want to you know devote to my number one vocation, and so um, he just showed all those in seven different ways. Like he was like Christ in a specific in all these different ways. And I don't think any of the ways are listed or anything like too original or too crazy difficult. But if you met him and some of you have you probably meant that he's probably one of the most authentic people that you could ever imagine. And you might think, like, oh, if I'm aligning myself to Christ, then I fit this profile, and we're going to be like those people, which I don't kind of want to be like. I want to be like those Jesus people. Um, but in fact, like, when you actually align yourself to Christ, it's not that you're being like him. Like, he comes through in your passions and interests, and he makes you more of who you are. It's like the salt to the food. There's another Bible passage out there about salt, and you guys can probably quote it better than I. But you could tell that um, he he had that. Um, long story short, he actually ended up converting to uh, Catholicism or joining the church, and he, they got married in the church, and it was, it was fantastic. Um, but if if you feel like you haven't found that like authentic self yet, it's just kind of like three tips, reassurances. Um, the first is learn about God. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but, like, take that time, take that free time that you do have, and, like, learn about it. Like, Bible in a year, that's been great for me. You know, you might have something else, but, like, learn about the stories, learn about the people. I feel like we learn best when we can mimic, and so if you don't, like, see that in context, it can be kind of hard. Uh, the second is, like, reflect how God is working through your passions and through your interests. God is giving you those passions and interests, assuming they're not, you know, something sinful uh, for a reason, and so... Look back and see, like, is it woodcrafting? Is it dancing? Is it, um, I don't know, like doing spreadsheets? Whatever it may be, like, there's a way that God is, is going through. Yeah, he got it. Spreadsheet guy. Um, but there's, like, a way that God can actually, like, work through that. And so if you can observe how he's working through your passions, you can also see then where you can invest in that yourself. And you don't feel, like, bad for that. It's like that actually then makes you come alive and... Um, the world needs more people that come alive. And the last, and I think the most important, is acknowledge that being authentic, it takes practice, and it takes time, and it's something to strive for. It's not something that you just are out of the gate. Um, it's a constant movement. So, so like, be your authentic self, and that's just me. <clears throat> I don't really abide by that. It's more like, I, this is who I want to become and how I get there. So one, be patient if you're not already there. But it takes effort and it takes practice and it takes time, so you need to take the action in order to, to get there. The second part, masculinity. And so I'm going to take a drink here quick. Masculinity. <clears throat> so first be masculine. I think to understand what it is to be a man and what we need to do, we have to look back um, at the beginning to see really where we went wrong, because where we went wrong is then the gap that we first need to fill. And so, long story short, we know the Adam and Eve story. Eve ate the apple, the serpent tempted her. Um, question is, like, where was Adam? And uh, Adam 
was next to her. And what did he do? He did nothing. And so he, the, the fall of man wasn't that Eve ate the apple, it was that man did nothing. And so it was that apathy that we are kind of tempted with and followed by over and over again. So we as men, the first and foremost thing that we need to do is act. Um, apathy is not an option, and um, it can lead to a whole lot of other issues that can be 20,000 more talks. Um, questions like, well, how should we act? I like to look at the main male characters in the Bible, two of which in particular, so we can see how should we act. Um, the first goes without surprise, Jesus. Um, I like to see, like, how did he act with himself? How did he act with his friends, with women, and with the, the broader community? And so with himself. One is that he actually spent time with himself. I feel like it's super rare in today's society, like phone away, self, and, and actually being there. Um, the few times that men typically are with ourselves are in, you know, in that solitude. And God, I mean, solitude is, is, is good. Maybe we got a little more of it than we wanted during COVID. But the, um, he would go out to the wilderness, and he would talk to God. He would reflect. Um, but also in solitude, he was always tempted. And so any man here, you can probably identify, like, when it's late at night and there is no one around, there's no choice to be around, that's probably where you're tempted. And whatever that sin may be, you know, that's there. So it is important to have that solitude. But in the time of solitude, one, just expect that you will be tempted. And two, uh, have the tools to, um, one, eventually build up the, the faith in God that he will kind of save you from that. But then if you can't do that, also acknowledge that sometimes you might need people around that, that can help. But where you can build up that faith in God, again, is what did Jesus do with himself? And this isn't necessarily as quoted in scripture outside of, uh, you know, Jesus going to the temple when he was a kid and you know, preaching to the, the rabbis. But what they don't talk about a lot is Jesus probably studied a bunch. Like, he didn't just, like, God, you know, his father probably just be like, and this is everything about me. Like, he probably actually, like, read Torah. He, he actually, like, studied and he... He had to learn all that stuff from somewhere, and he probably spent a lot of his downtime like reading that. So in your two times, you know, you need to build that relationship by doing the reading, by doing the studying. Like, thankfully, like there are a lot of great um, tools that we have available that we didn't have it before. Like you have the Hello app, you have Bible in a Year, you've got you name the, the 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 podcast or the book, whatever your medium. There's probably something out there. So in your free time, like think about what you're doing, um, spend it alone, but also spend it with God. The, um, with friends, and so <clears throat> I think this is huge. I think this is probably one of the biggest gaps um, in like our lives, it's kind of like post-college, pre-marriage, of like that's the best time for men to build a close group of friends, um, of virtuous friends. And they say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So think about those five people, and if you were the average of those five people, like, would that be someone who you want to be as it relates to, you know, a Catholic man? Um, they will hold you accountable. They will invest in you. But you also need to invest in them. Um, God, what's also really important to note, is he spent the majority of his time with, like, 12 people. And it wasn't even 12 all at once. It was, like, progressively. We have to acknowledge that we can only spend so much time with a small group of people who actually have like virtuous relationships. Like to be able to 
we can know and acknowledge like 50 people, but if you're not deeply invested and they're invested in you, like it's not gonna serve you from a virtuous um, friendship or from a, a authentic masculinity standpoint. So you really need to be selective. Like who's in your life right now? Do they need to belong there? Of the 50 people that you may know that you can call, like which are the ones that are, that are worth investing you in and which ones will invest in you? And then commit to those five people. Um, and it's okay to say no to other people. You can still hang out and do all those things, but like, how do you actually spend the time and make the intention and make the time for them? Because when you do have that group, then it, it will kind of change the course of, of your life in all the different ways. Uh, with women, um, you know, Jesus was the first real person like recorded in history that like really made uh, the relationship with women and their role in the story like a primary. And so I think um, we need to model that both, you know, with his with his mother Mary, like he was obedient to the women of authority in his life. Like the water into wine at Canaan, like Mary told him to do it when he didn't want him to do it. Like he said, okay, so acknowledge the women of authority in your life. And just because you're a man, it doesn't mean like, I am man. I think this is a little bit more uh, prevalent in, in certain cultures and communities where like, regardless of age, the, the man still kind of has the, the authority. I think we need to acknowledge that, like, you know, there's, there's authority in um, you know, the, the women leaders in our lives. Um, and then also uh, with like the Mary Magdalene's of the world, like you can be friends, you can be, um, if you know Michael Berry, he would disagree that you can be friends with women. But uh, <laughs> you can have a relationship with women that is non-sexual and has uh, not these other um, you know, things that are typically associated with that. And I found that I mean, Jesus, he was very upfront with all of his life. Like from the very beginning, it's like, this is who I am. This is what you're called to. Like there was never this question of like, eh, am I going to date Jesus? Or Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe I'm interested. It's like, no, like, Know what, when you know what you want, you know what you're looking for, you can be forward, hopefully not in a creepy way, but like you can be made known, like, hey, like, there's kind of this thing going on with this, and then if there's not, like, no, there's not, like, just be, you can, you, you can have that relationship without having this, like, awkward flirtiness between it. So, like, you know, know that that's possible and try to strive for that. Um, and then with the broader community, obviously, he sacrificed himself for, for everyone, but he was this leader that people like, don't necessarily expect. And so all that means is you might have a way that the community society like expects you to be successful. Like they thought that Jesus would come in and that he would overturn the Roman Empire and that he would fight and do all the things that they expected a king to do. Similarly in today's society, like you might have this expectation of society saying, this is what it means for success. This is what it means for you to for you to um, be a man. This is what it means for this. But you need to go back and do what Jesus did. Like, no, this is who God, God called me to be. And then remind yourself, like, this is who then I should be becoming. Because that will ultimately make a bigger impact than, you know, whatever the society is telling you uh, you should accomplish to, to be that authentic man. Um, second person is Joseph. I think he's not talked about enough. That he was Jesus' father. Uh, stepfather. And so he like he raised Jesus and taught him how to be a man, but he never spoke in the Bible. Like there's no quotes by him. And so I think he really emphasizes like actions speak louder than words. And so uh, 
think about that when you're like telling someone or telling people what to do. Like, yeah, I'm on the stage right now, but I don't usually do this. Like, only asking. Um, but people should come to you for questions. If you're doing it right, people should come and ask you questions about it. You don't necessarily need to like go out and, and volunteer it. And so, uh, take Joseph's example, and that like to be a man, you don't have to be the most vocal person. Like, you can you can be spoken uh, through your actions. Millennial notes are not great. Uh, and then also I think Joseph with Mary, I think he is phenomenal for anyone who is uh, preparing to be married, being married, uh, especially as it relates to like, our society today in the last 50 years. Like No longer are women in the 50s staying at home, cooking and cleaning, and I think that's phenomenal. Um, Joseph is probably like, the best example of this Like back in the, the old period, and that he, uh, Mary was the story. She is, like, really more famous than, than Joseph. Like, people don't really talk about him, but he was totally fine with that. Um, he supported her. He knew her calling. He was there to be a supporter to help his son and his wife become, you know, the, the, the fulfillment of, you know, the, be the Messiah. And he was okay with that. Um, and he took people out, you know, went to Bethlehem, fled back and forth, and he probably wasn't what he was expecting for his life. And so for us as men, like, that's very probable and realistic for, like, our spouses or even the women in our lives. Like, they might be the breadwinner. That's awesome. Support them. Even if, whether they are or not, like, they have passions, they have goals, they have that. Like, how are you supporting them in a way if they have their own story and their own um, mission that they're on. And so you, it's not just about them supporting you, but how do you actually support them? And you can do that in a way where, you know, lead from behind like Joseph did. So kind of in summary, we we'll take quick action steps of kind of authentic masculinity, combine those together. First, take action. You can't do anything without taking the action. Second is prepare yourself. Like it takes practice and you are going to mess up if you think that being authentically masculine is just something that you're going to go do like and you think that it, it works like any guy can tell you if you try to go and talk to a girl cold ever like it probably didn't work out great like the first few times that you did it um, women have some compassion because it takes practice and you might have just been the guinea pig and it might not have gone so well um, so but it, 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 it takes practice like be that authentic man and give yourself a little bit of grace but also know like you will get there if you're doing it in you know a, a virtuous way. Uh, you know, third, commit to virtuous friendship. So find those five friends that you can really rely on. Again, that takes time. So you want to be best buddies, but like it takes time, it takes effort, it takes learning how to communicate to build those relationships. And then the the last piece is uh, be Javier. You know, be be this leader uh, that makes your girlfriend, your spouse, the people around you like want to come alive. Um, if you are a fan of Ted Lasso and the and the words of Roy Kemp, like make them feel like they've been struck by frickin' lightning. Um, and so how do you do that? Like you as a as a man, like this is this is possible. Um, the verses pray for your wife before you know her. Um, like every single day, because when it becomes clear that she is your wife, you're gonna be so excited because you've been praying for her so, for so long, 
that like it's gonna come out and that like exuberance is is gonna is is um uh what's it called? Addictive spreading, not getting the word right now. Uh contagious. Contagious, yes, thank you. Thank you. Nine fifteen in the morning. Um Second is like learn how to be intimate without being sexual. And so what I've found with this, and I'm no key expert, but um, it's like learning how to communicate and people talk about communication, but it's not just like communicate a lot. It's like, no, like you need to learn how to say and phrase certain things. You need to know how to emphasize certain things. You have to learn what things to not share, like ever, and some things to share only when it's time. Um, and you, you like, how do you communicate in the way um, their beauty, that they, you know, you're interested in their their interests, their passions, their culture, uh, and that deep understanding is what leads to intimacy. Because once you have that, then anything after that is like, you know, cream on top, but there's, like, it comes through, again, practice. Like, there's actual resources, whole other talks that I could give about, like, what that communication is and how you can build a relationship and intimacy without um, necessarily you know, sexual things. Uh, learn about the culture, actually be interested in it. If you have enough proclivity towards a certain, you know, um, culture or certain type of woman, learn about the culture. Like, don't just like, be like, oh, cool, I like it. Like, no, if you can, go visit there, go live there, learn language, things like that. Um, say prudently, there's nothing sexier than, you know, a guy who's got at least a little bit of a nest egg that you'll be able to prepare for. So, I don't care what your job is, I know school teachers, I know actors who were able to save up, so be prepared. I started um, my wedding fund um, before I ever met my wife, and the thought was, well, if it doesn't work out, then I've got money sitting around. If I do, then great, I'm prepared. So like, there's, there's certain prudence that you can have. But the, I think the most important of all is uh, never lose sight of this higher purpose, and the higher purpose is to bring people to God, first and foremost. It, you know, if you are called to marriage, it's bring your spouse to God, but it's not just that. Then it's your family, then it's the people around you. Like, we are brought on this earth. Um, Jesus, you know, didn't bring us here to, like, say, and be happy. Like, he wants us to be happy. But what he says more than everything else is to create disciples. And so that's the number one mission. So keep that in mind. And then it makes it all the trying and effort that it takes to be an authentic man, like, it makes it worthwhile because you know that that's ultimately the higher purpose. And so I never really mentioned why um, <clears throat> the movie changed the course of my life and, and, and my brother's life. So a little bit of wrapping up there on the, the story end. For my brother, um, he would, from 13 till you know, years, he ended up dancing, ended up getting a job where he could, you know, got a special exception so he could work early, so he could make money, to so then get these professional lessons. And uh, he was... He's also the best wrestler in our school, 8A big school, so, and also a, a starting football player. Um, but then in high school, he actually stopped doing wrestling to then start doing dance like the whole time. So that's kind of a big shit. Um, <laughs> and there was uh, obviously some uh, making fun of and, and you know, certain assumptions that might have been made. Thankfully, he could kick the crap out of all of them, so it was limited. <laughs> so, um, but you know, there was a little bit of making fun for a while, but then it shortly um, cut off when not only did they see 
the women that he was dancing with on a regular basis, but then a few years later, he actually was fortunate enough to um, kind of perform on Dance with the Stars, so uh, a few times, and at that point, uh, people like saw, like, oh, this hard work, this passion, it was, you know, they see what that higher purpose and cool thing was, and I am his identical twin, so when they ask if I was one of Dance with the Stars, I say yes. <laughs> they asked me to dance, and I'm like, <laughs> me, I did continue to, to dance. Um, I did it my basically whole life, more socially. Um, so if anyone likes going out dancing, or I probably invited you out, like it's fun. Yeah, girl, shout out. Um, but I actually ended up meeting my wife out uh, dancing. I did happen to know about her culture. Actually, first 48 hours were um, all in Spanish. We don't speak very much Spanish together anymore, but the first 40 hours was uh, we ended up you know, dancing the next day, invited her to brunch, and then two hours later we went to church, and so we went to dance, food, and faith um, within our first 24 hours, and then that kind of just continued through our relationship. I'm now married a little over one year. It's been great. I'm by no means a, uh, a, a perfect, authentic, masculine man, but I am on the journey. So let me know if you want to kind of walk with me at some point.